welcome to In The Clock End, an awesome podcast with me, Steve. And joining me as always, Calvin. Welcome. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Stephen. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. You've called me Stephen again, which is... <laughs> you do this every week. It's becoming what? a ritual. Um, you, just throw me, you just throw me under the bus before you, you even kicked off. It's Thanks, mate. Wrong. No worries. And joining us all the way from the Netherlands, Liam. How are you, mate? You are right. Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be back. And uh, don't worry, I'll try and remember your names, let alone get them right. Right. Controversial way to start that is, isn't it, Liam? <laughs> um, blame my atrocious memory. I, I, re- I remember a couple of moments where I was like, uh, uh, yeah, Kelvin said. Um, don't worry yeah, about it, mate. see if I do a better job this week. I still call Calvin Kevin, so I wouldn't Kevin, worry about it too much. Let's be honest, you can't even say my actual name right, Liam, if you haven't noticed Kelvin, not Calvin. Uh, it's just, we, we sat here for, when we first met, I'm not joking, this is no, no joke as well, listeners. we sat on a Zoom chat like this, and for a good five minutes, just literally trying to get Steve to say my name properly, to the point where we're just like, it's never going to work, I'll just, I'll answer to Calvin, that's fine, it's still better than Kevin, so here we are. <laughs> See, when you there. just said the two Calvins there, it sounded exactly the same, so I just honestly, you're flogging a dead horse, mate. These Midlanders, um, eh? So last week's episode was a little bit depressing after Villa. It's a good job you no. weren't here for that, Liam, because it was a bit it was a bit bleak. I think we did about a 20-minute podcast. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, get it over let's, with. Let's call it a day because that was a bag of shit. Yeah. Um, this weekend, Arsenal have given us a late Valentine's present in the form of a 40 victory over mm. the mighty Leeds United. Let's just get straight into it, shall we? Um yeah. what did you guys make of the lineup? I was Kind of fine with it to a point. I mean, look, it's when you take into consideration the couple of injuries, Thomas Partey um, and obviously uh, at left back there, we're still missing Kieran Tierney. Ceballos coming in made a bit of sense. I preferred that other than having Elneny, as good as Elneny has shown to be this season at points, but he's very kind of vanilla for me in there. It's too similar to Xhaka, whereas I think you need someone like Ceballos in there. Um, I was a little bit disappointed, as I said to you, not to see Pepe. Um, but look, didn't matter in the end, did it? Um, and like you said, you've kind of pointed out he might be being rested for, for the Benfica game in the week, which again, kind of makes sense. Um, but, but overall, I was kind of just like, yeah, we're at home. I know we're not great at home, but I was happy with the lineup. The, the, the only slight concern I did have was, like I said, Pepe. Um... Yeah, that, that surprised me. But then I think that's a symptom of having four very good players trying to get into three different spots. And yeah, Benfica coming up, rotation's fine. Get Odegaard his first minutes. Saka and smith Rowe are almost undroppable. Maybe Pepe is as well to an extent. But you've got to, there's the symptom of having a good team, of having good players. Sometimes they're going to play, sometimes they're going to drop out. I was actually really interested in uh, in the Louise for holding Louise and Gabrielle as a partnership. Mm. I half thought that was with an eye to Benfica, but actually mm. thinking about it, Leeds play with this real, real high press, high intensity press, press, and um, actually having two ball players in Louise and Gabrielle probably actually made sense, and in the end worked very well. Um, so mm. kudos to Arteta on that one. They were really solid, weren't they? But yeah, I think I think yeah, what, what you said there uh, makes perfect sense. I also think, for, from a um, a standpoint of of depth, you know, it's, it's good to be in a position where we we can rotate players. 
Obviously, Cedric came in again for Tierney. Bit concerned about what's going on there. Same with Part A. They seem to keep picking up injuries week in, mm. week out. Maybe it's just a case of because we're playing so much football, but it just yeah. seems odd that it's always those two out of everyone. It was nice to see Odegaard as well get, getting um, a start. He looks looks pretty nippy. Sobias as well. I'm not sure where, where I stand with Sobias because one week I think he's fantastic and he's the next best thing. And then, and then other weeks I think he's bang average, but... He was a really good to see him on the pitch. You, you so I, I text you, Calvin, about it. He just he just sort of bounces around the pitch and, and makes things happen and um, brings that sort of enthusiasm and energy to our team. Which sometimes when we have like Alneni and Xhaka, we, we just we just don't it's too have safe. Them, yeah, I was going to say I've got a bit of a hot take on Sapaios, and, and that take is that he reminds me very much of Mustafi, in the sense that Mustafi had footballing ability. Like he was very good in the air. He knew how to make a stand up tackle. Sabayos on the same front is very press resistant. He can play a pass when he wants to, find mm. his lovely through balls and nutmegs. Mm. But he's got absolute shit for brains half the time. Like he tries to play a five-yard ball and it doesn't reach its man or it's intercepted or it plays it down a blind alley. Mm. I think he's got skills. He just hasn't got a football brain. Without sort of going off on a tangent, given the chance to sign him, would you? Or would you just sort of say, once the loan's done... We let him let him go back to Madrid and, and call it quits. I have to think about it, but probably not. Yeah. I think we've seen enough to know it's not worth a committing to. I will, I will miss his enthusiasm. I love when we score and he's just on the floor, like <laughs> smacking the ground. Like, I love that about him. But yeah, I think for what we'd probably pay for him and in the current market, too much. Too much. Um, yeah, we had this conversation, Steve. I remember in one of our early pods, I think I said the exact same thing as Liam, to be honest. I was like, he's been here long enough now, 18 months, I think it was at the time. And uh, I haven't seen enough for a, from an Arsenal fan perspective to go, yeah, I'd like to see us commit to him as part of our future. Uh, and like you say, the money that he'll cost to come, don't think is really worth it. Um, he's another one as well. He's a bit on and off with the injuries as well. Because he's been out for a while, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm thinking yeah, I'm right there with Liam. Um, I'm sure I think you were the same as well, Steve, when we did speak about it. Like on his day, he can be good. But there's that phrase, right? We spoke about this phrase before that on his day, once you bring that into, you know, a description of a particular player, then you, it's that's not ideal. That's how I used to feel about Ozil. Again, not comparing the, the two in any way. But I just think when you explain to somebody else that on his day, he's a good player. Like, consistency isn't it, is what you're looking for. Uh, and I think if we want to get back to where we were, we need players that can deliver that consistency for us. I was listening to Talk Sport and they were talking about like the, the future of, 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 the, of the game in the short term. And I think it's going to be a lot of loans across the board. One thing I've often thought of, and this was before COVID as well, because I just think how, look, you said, let's not go on a tangent. We've gone on it fully. We've literally sent it into the tangent at this stage. Um, when it comes to, to transfers and how Americanized our game has become over the last decade or so, even longer. Um, do you think we'll ever see what you get in America with, with trades? I'm not overly familiar with the American side of it, but they have these trade windows where you trade players with other clubs. Do you think we'll see any, ever see anything like that? I just think it's You've been reading The Athletic, haven't you? There was an article in there recently about abolishing transfers and just having players move to clubs. I'm too tight to pay for the uh, athletic subscription. I there, is a pre- a there is a free podcast you can listen to. Oh no, I don't like it. 
they do a couple of Arsenal ones as well. I just find, weirdly, here we are talking a podcast of a podcast, um, and we've got no production behind us whatsoever. I just find their production shocking for the company that they are, to be honest. Liam, what, what's your take on that, mate? Not at the athletic. Um. Honestly, I don't know enough about the American model to have much of an opinion. I, yeah. I pay absolutely no attention to NFL, basketball, mm. uh, anything like that. So I, I really don't know. Let's get back to boring the game. Fuck, but... <laughs> it is boring as fuck. Let's get back to the game. I was really happy with the front three of Odegaard, Saka uh, and Rowe. I think a lot of us would have, would have expected him to, to drop Smith Rowe when, when, he, when he brought Odegaard in, but it was nice to see him keep, keep them both in the team. And I think it, it worked really well. Yeah, I mean, that front four, should we say, is, or the front three behind Aubameyang kind of rotated a little bit. I like the fact that Emil Smith-Rowe could kind of tuck in at times and... You know, we know Aubameyang has predominantly played on the left wrist, but he kept drifting out to that area quite a bit last night, um, whilst also maintaining his central central positioning at times as well. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that both Odegaard and Smith-Rowe started together, but yeah, it, was, it, it worked better than I thought. Um, I, I was quite impressed with Odegaard uh, on his full debut. I thought he kept the ball well, he showed some lovely touches, good vision. Yeah, it, it, it's it's positive, um, and that's that's all we can kind of that's what you want, right? You want positive, not just results, but little finds like this that you can kind of build on for the upcoming yeah. games because uh, we've got some got some big games coming up. So let's just get into the actual game. Um, it was yeah. a really good first half. Well, well mm. overall, I think for the ninety minutes, it, it was a good performance. Um, mm. We started really well. We were quick out the blocks. It was a great goal from Aubameyang. Mm. We then had the penalty overturned I felt that was a really important moment for us in the game because recently there's been moments where these decisions have gone against us and it's sort of it's knocks our rhythm a little bit whereas we were unfazed by it what were your thoughts on that penalty decision and the first half as a whole okay so I'll preface it by saying I don't actually think it was a penalty because I don't think there was a lot of contact on Saka um but the big caveat to it is the last time I was on here, we were talking after Wolves, right? Um, well, I'm sorry, but if Louise makes enough contact with, who was it, Willian Jose, mm. then whoever it was on Saka makes enough contact with Saka, if you see what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's not a penalty, really, no. but in the context of other decisions, it we've seen them given. It, it is a penalty, and it's like, it's this inconsistent. I think I mentioned it, and I don't want to go down the whole boring VAR route again and, and have that no. long last old tired out discussion. But it's incons the inconsistency frustrated me more than the actual decision. Yeah, I think I text you, Steve, and I after, and I said, if that's Salah or Kane going down in that fashion like that, because it made me think of Salah straight away. To be honest, with you. there was a penalty he got recently where he was marginally touched on the shoulder. Man, I think it was against Man City. It was it very similar. It was very the, similar. The contact was minimal. Exactly. And that was the first thought I had when it was overturned was that. And it's a, it's a shitty thought to have because, you, again, you want that consistency in the in the officiating, especially at that level, uh, when there's that much at stake. But you can't help but think it. If that is Salah going down in that fashion, it's a penalty. They'll look at it and they'll still give it. Because that's we were three nil up, it did seem to get forgotten about as well. There was very little um, attention on that decision. Um, I know we were, and I think Liam's probably right. It probably was a bit soft, but at the same time, 
you know, when we're seeing those are given another game, it's like you, no, it's give only, up, you don't give up, you don't give anything. Yeah, I mean, it was only one nil at the time actually as well, so it could have changed the the shape of the game. Luckily, it didn't. Thank Christ. And we're not, you know, we don't have to sit here like we did on the last pod, do we? And go, ah, oh, ah, this is there a conspiracy because the result went the right way. But sorry, Liam, you you were talking about the just the first half performance there. No, yeah, it, it was quite good that we. Um... I think it was quite important. We also not only scored not long after that, but it came from another penalty decision, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and I think that helps also put the one we didn't get further into the back of the mind, not just the fact that we went into halftime at 3-0, we scored a couple afterwards, but the fact that one of those was a was a penalty mm. uh, that Saka himself won. I mean, that one was stonewall. There's no arguing it. Mm. Um but I, th- I think that helps put it further into the back of the mind and be more okay with it. Yeah. What was the keeper doing though, by the way, for that penalty? You couldn't ha- I couldn't help but kind of laugh at myself because you've seen it coming. You could see it coming. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Off. the touch he made was just one of those moments where you just go, what, what are you? even as a, you know, even though as in our favour, I couldn't help but just go, what are you doing? Like, it's a bit like doing? on FIFA when you get your buttons mixed up. And you're like, oh no, this <laughs> yeah. is the opposition. It was. Yeah. Do you think? I don't think he was even carded, was he? He, he didn't even receive a booking, which I thought was a little bit odd. Possibly a booking, but definitely no more than that. I mean, if yeah, yeah. he's not got Saka hasn't got it under control, so it's not a goal scoring opportunity. Um, yeah, it's and it's just clumsy. He's made a genuine attempt to get the ball to get rid of the ball or do something. Yeah. So I, I I wasn't bothered, and if you're not going to give a red, I don't really care if he gets a yellow. For for if it's a full back, I care more because there's a chance he might pick up another one. But for a keeper, I can give a yeah. either. If it's not a red, I don't care if he gets booked or not. I wonder I what care. what's going through Bamiang's mind when he's taken that because you think like moments before he's put the ball in the spot and he's sort of going through his head where he's going to put it and it gets yeah. scrapped. And then seconds later, he's back in the same situation. Do you reckon he just he has like kind of a one-track mind in the sense that you know he's going to put it here regardless or the fact I think I agree with you like I reckon he would have probably just had even when he lined up that first non-penalty to take he would have known where he was going with it he didn't have to do it I probably I, I, I would think he probably just recycled the same thought a few minutes later and just went no, I'm going the same place then um because you know as a striker when you do put that ball down on the spot stick with it you hear it all the time it's one of the you know Pick a spot, stick with it. Don't change your mind. Um, so I'd like to think he stuck with it. And look, he scored a good goal uh, not long before. His confidence is, would have been high in the moment. So yeah, he, he finished that penalty with such a plum as well. It was a great, great spot. Lovely kick. finish, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the third goal. Honestly, that third goal was a pleasure to watch. Not just the goal from that, the physical act of, of scoring from Bellerin, uh, the nutmeg mm-hmm. from Tobias, uh, Saka, he was just almost like, it was like a training session. Like he was just walking around some orange cones. It was so yeah. elegant. And it was mm. like dancing around the area. It was, it was a lovely, a lovely moment. I'd say you enjoyed that, Liam, from with your coaching hat on, didn't you? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I like to tell our guys is when you have momentum, when you're in, in the tack mode, you're in this phase, you're in the final third, don't let it out of that third. Keep the pressure going as long as you can until you score that goal. Obviously, it doesn't work every time, but in the past, we've lost the ball in the final third quite easily and let them out quite easily. So the mm. fact that Saka's gone a little bit down a blind alley, he's not quite found an opening, but he's 
he's found the pass off to uh, was it Cedric or maybe Obamian possibly, um, and, and we've recycled it. We've kept it going. We haven't quite found the shooting opportunity, but we've mm-hmm. kept it there. We've kept them thinking. We're moving it. We're not. We've done the switch across the whole box again. Uh, Odegaard fights quite well to keep hold of it and lay it back to Sabios, and then the the nutmeg's just filthy. Uh, Bellerin stop start. Bellerin's little stop start. That's quite a difficult skill as well. Like he he gets the ball, he waits, and then he goes off again. That that's mm. that's quite an underrated skill in football. Yeah. So so full marks to Bellerin as well. Do you know what that reminds me of? That stop start. Robert Perez was uh, great yeah, at that stop start. He was great at this little mm. shuffle, a little shimmy. Oh, what um, I like in the five. Four, I did. Four. I, I tell you what, I did get a little bit excited. And I'm glad I didn't. I nearly text you saying it was a double nutmeg because at first I thought Bellerin did nutmeg the keepers, and I was like, "That's great." And then I saw the replay, and it didn't. But it doesn't take away anything from the goal. And like you say, that that nutmeg pass. Here's a question for you both: being former goalkeepers, there was some criticism of the, of the goalkeeper for for the first and and the, the third goal. Do you think that's unfair? Do you reckon he should have done better? Especially the Bellerin one. It was at his near post. How would you feel? I'll throw it straight back to you, Steve. I know you like asking us a question. I'd like to see your opinion on it. If it was, a, if that was an Arsenal goal being conceded in that fashion, and it was our keeper, or because you know what it reminded me of? There's two keepers that spring to mind. The first one down at his near post, low, it wasn't a hard shot because I was quite surprised that went in. If I'm honest, I know he squeezed it through, but it reminded me of Peter Cech not being able to get down at his his post. It used to drive me mad because he was such a great keeper. Um. The sex, I would say, yeah, the keeper could have done a little bit better maybe on that one. It's hard to judge. Uh, but the second one, yes. Getting beat at that near post. All that scream to me, and I think I actually heard it on another podcast earlier, was it's very Almunia-esque. And it kind of reminded me of, uh, dare I bring it up, that Champions League final goal that he conceded against Belletti. Yeah, you don't like to see a keeper get beat like that, and I'm sure Liam, with your uh, goalkeeper hat on, you, as a goalkeeper, you'd be disappointed to to concede both those goals, in my opinion. Yeah, the the first I'd let I'd let Leno off a little bit because I think it's caught him by surprise and it's gone through a defender. I can forgive if he's got down a bit slow. Mm. Uh, the third, definitely, I'd be disappointed because really the the. The box is so compact, you don't need to worry about the other side of the goal. Just don't let it go through your near post. So make sure that's covered. Left mm. too big an angle. And Bellerin's hit it with some ferocity. Mm. Um, but you should be there. It shouldn't matter how hard you hit it. If there's a solid human body in the way, it doesn't get past you, does it? No. Um, as obvious a thing as it sounds to say. So the keeper just needs to sort of be there and hope that there's enough bodies in the way that if it comes across his goal, He's got he's backed up. Yeah, in that situation, you kind of want that that Schmeichel-esque sort of approach to goalkeeping. Um, it's something which is is mad to watch. Because obviously, obviously, I grew up watching Peter Schmeichel as well as David Seaman as being a goalkeeper when I was younger. And they were the two that you always kind of looked up to um and tried to model your own game on. But then, you know, you look at Castro Schmeichel in that situation, what's he doing? He's coming out, he's spreading himself and he is diving at your feet. That, you know, and that that puts the striker off in any situation, makes your job so much harder. You narrow the angle, you make yourself as big as possible. And if you still get beat, fair enough. Maybe it's a confidence thing. He's, I know when I'm not feeling confident, maybe whether I should or shouldn't, I stick more to my goal line than I maybe should. I'm less mm. confident coming out for something. Um, 
and I think he'd had a bit of a shocker leading up to it. I, I like the keeper. I, I really quite rate him, actually. Mm. Uh, but he is only 20. He's had a bit yeah, of a yeah. shocker. Yeah. Maybe he's just got caught cold. He's frozen in the moment because he's not feeling as confident as he otherwise would. Yeah, there's nothing worse than making a mistake as a keeper because you literally stand there. Like, it's, it's one thing as a striker when you miss an open goal. I've done that. It's horrible. Um, but when you make a mistake as a keeper... How many positions do you play? They were my two positions. <laughs> Left back in the changing room, mate. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> mate, I didn't even make the team bus. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I, I think to summarise, I think if he makes the one mistake, you can sort of brush over it because, you know, it's the first and it's the third goal. Mm. Uh, you know, you're open to more to sc- more scrutiny. Um, moving on to the fourth goal, lovely play from uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Was it a shot? Was it a cross? I'm not too sure, but it was a, it was a nice header from Aubameyang. Uh, and the keeper couldn't really do much about that, could he, to be honest? Keep, keeper's not doing anything about it unless he pulls a Casillas off. I actually wanted to ask you guys, because I've watched the replay of Smith-Rowe and the cross-stroke shot several times, and I can't work out what he's meant to do. And I, I want to say I think he's crossed it. A part of me genuinely believes it, but another part of me has gone, nah, surely not. The way he hits it is like he's trying to shoot and he's completely fluffed it. Yeah, it's the way he's opened his body, isn't it? Yeah. it yeah. When, you, when you take a shot, you need to open your body so you can get that so, sort of dig, get your uh, the top part of your foot underneath the ball and get your foot around it so you can curl it and get some height on it. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like he's trying to do by the way he shaped his foot. Yeah, his body language but, is like he's trying to shoot, yeah. absolutely. But from another angle, it does look like he's actually intentionally sort of gone through the ball enough for it to actually be a cross rather than a, a Pepe-esque curler. He's actually put, gone through the ball for the I don't know. I've watched it so many times and I keep flip-flopping. I wondered what the hardest was. The hardest bit is, because obviously in that, the body shape will give you an idea of what he was trying to do. But unfortunately in that position, the body shape might not actually give too much away because it does look like he shanked it a little bit. But... I agree with you guys. I thought he was initially going for that. Open yourself up, try and bend it into the far corner. I was looking for the eyes, but he doesn't look at once. So you haven't got a clue where he's actually looking. Um, regardless, it's one of those situations where sometimes, you know, it's kind of like that Saka goal against um, Chelsea. Yeah. Did he mean it? Did he not? Ultimately, couldn't give a shit. It went in the back of the net. Orba's got a hat-trick. We won the game. We go home. Move on. Welcome. Just for the record, he definitely didn't mean that. Um, definitely did. He's class. Chelsea. At 4-0, <laughs> I honestly thought that was game over. But Leeds United being Leeds United, uh, they love to score goals. They love to concede a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest now, and I know it's, it's after the event and it's easy for me to say, even at 4-2, apart from that moment where Bamford went over, what well, could have been a penalty. Um, I, I never watched the replay, there was, but there was a penalty shout. Apart from that moment, there was one moment where they pinged the ball in from the byline. Apart from those two moments, I always felt like we were going to win the game. Did you guys share that thought or, or were you a little bit concerned? There were five minutes after the second goal when I thought we were really shitting our pants. And um, I think I saw it across my Twitter that it was, what, a year or so, or so many years to the day that we drew 4-4 with mm-hmm. uh, Newcastle and I asked in our group chat uh, in, in the group chat that I'm in I said 
are we still the only team to have conceded a four goal lead? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> I just, it was thinking, oh no, just, yeah. but I think that's also comes from Arsenal fans being Arsenal fans. It's just, you're so desperate to don't be the one that's getting embarrassed that I worried more than I maybe needed to. Mm-hmm. I yeah, put I... my football hat on and just thought, there's no way this is, I, I thought with everything that's happened to us this season, there's no way we're conceding for here. It's just not going to happen. That was my football head. I went, maybe I was a little bit naive and I was a little bit like praying that we're not going to concede for, but yeah, never, never in doubt. <laughs> it was in doubt for a few minutes for me. I think I even texted you after that second. I was like, here we go. My ass twitched a bit. I can't deny it. Um, I mean, to be, especially when Bamford went down, like you said, I, you know, in real time, I was like, Jesus, he could give this, especially with how VAR is and you just don't know what you're going to get. I think, Jesus Christ, if he would have given that, it could have been really, uh, really um, nervy ending to that game. But, you know, much like you, I think after we kind of weathered that storm for five minutes after those goals, yeah, we, we were comfortable. Um, you know, we were obviously dominant in the first half, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was one of those where you, you can't help but worry. I was going to say, I guess we also had other chances at uh, Auburn, but I think, did we hit the bar post twice yeah. as well? Yeah. We always look dangerous going forward, um, which mm-hmm. is really nice to see. We always yeah. look a threat going forward and it's exciting to watch us go forward. Back in November, it was just painful to watch because you were sort of scratching your head wondering, you know, who, who's going to create something, who's going to open, open the play, who's going to you know, find that final ball. Um, just touching touch them on Leeds two goals, um, the first goal was in a corner, wasn't it? And the second goal, Bellerin got caught out of, out of position, didn't he? Was it a ball from the, the wing? I can't really remember the, the second goal. Yeah, he just momentarily switched off. Yeah. Yeah. He momentarily switched off. The other one was just a bloody good header from a corner, really. Yeah, I, I think sometimes you sort of got to put your hands up and go, you know. If I could ask a question, I saw a video of uh, a news reporter, journalist reporting on the game pronounced the guy who scored for Leeds from the header and it was utterly hilarious because I, I live in the Netherlands and it's a Dutch name <laughs> could you try and pronounce it just because I'm really interested to know if that was just him or her or was it just a British way of pronouncing it can that's you the one the timeline Calvin you what I don't know who scored the second goal can you put it's the this, timeline it's this chat I'm look, looking at the lineup. I'm circling it for me? you I I, was it him that was the one yeah Zoom in. Who's gonna Who's gonna butcher it first? Me or Steve? Can you zoom in? Because I can't even read that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You're very demanding, Stephen. Zoom in. Can't see sorted out. This is more for my own amusement than anything else. <laughs> okay. Um, is it? <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> I can see why it was butchered. I don't. Like? I don't. Yeah. Same. Gone. No, that, I oh, think you're going stroke. Hang on, wait. Uh, Streak. That's probably the one I would have guessed most British people. She went something more like, uh, you haven't got it right. Oh. Um, <laughs> don't celebrate. That's what my, I'd have guessed the British person says it as. Um, but the commentator went, just went stroke. Stroke scored the ball. And I was like, no, you've tried so hard. It's actually pronounced straight. The O, the U I, um, is actually pronounced O. So when everyone goes the uh, cout because I can't say it or kite, it's actually coat. Um, yeah. 
but stroke. And I just found it really hilarious to actually charge it out. We're far off. I don't know what you stroke. guys do. It's like, it's like Kevin De Bruyne. Well, it's not even Kevin De Bruyne, isn't it? It's like Kevin De Bruyne. No one Kevin De Bruyne. People still call Terry Henry. Oh, yeah, true. Terry, Sorry, Terry that Henry. was for my own... <laughs> no, that was so good. That was my own amusement. I enjoyed that. You just mocking me in uh, Kevin's English. <laughs> yeah. No, Dutch, I can, at least Dutch. I can speak some Dutch, Stephen, unlike yourself. I have no idea. I can't speak a word. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I struggle with English, let's be fair. So do I. I struggle with English. <laughs> so do I. So, yeah, just obviously talking about the defenders there uh, after the back of you know, the, the couple of goals we conceded. I'm sure you guys have probably seen. Uh, and it's really ironic that um, I brought this up on the, the group chat with this. Uh, the day before it hits the, the newspapers. I have no insight here, guys. I'm not part of the athletic. I must make that clear. But do you? Th- it, it seems that we might extend David Luiz next year. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? You know, I'm really on the fence um, because on the one hand, I think he's been pretty solid this season. Um, you, know, you, you look at his performance against Leeds, against Man United, um, against Wolves and said he had that mad moment. Um, but I think he was sort of, you know, uh, yeah, I'm fairly sent off. On the balance of play, he's been pretty good. Um, where my concern is, is that he's always got a mistake in him. He's always got a moment. You know, he's unpredictable, mm. and that's just a part of his game. It's, it's always been a part of his game. He was at Chelsea. He was at PSG before. Well, he went to PSG. He went back to Chelsea, and it's that unpredictability that that scares me. But I think from from a dressing room standpoint. Obviously, Arteta rates him, and I think he's he's good for for the younger players. He's got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. So I'm really torn. Um, and it, but at the same time, you could argue, you know, do we really want to be holding on to these players? Do we want to be seeing mm. the likes of William Saliba come through instead? Do we, do we want to see Holden and uh, Gabriel? I'm not sure, but you know, it's, it's difficult because in the current climate, you know, with COVID and and you know, financial finance is not being so readily available from a business point of view, it would make sense to keep someone who can do a job. Won't cost. I've not really answered the question, to be honest. No, you kind of have. It's a tricky one to answer. Liam, you may as well give it a shot because it is, it is hard. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I spoke, didn't we have this discussion after Wolves when I was on, on her last time? I think it was. And, And I, I think if it, I listed off basically that we've got rid of a lot of defenders, but we still have quite a few. Um, mm. We don't really know what's happening with uh, Chambers, uh, with Saliba. We've got Holding Mari and Gabriel, and otherwise we don't really know where we're at. Um, so that, that's what makes it tricky. I was listening earlier today, I think it was Ars Blog, um, their podcast, and I think one of them made a really good suggestion that if it was like a player manager or player coach type role, I think I'd be largely more okay with it just because it's going to be, you're on the coaching staff where you can do this with the youngsters where you're a good influence, but you're a player in terms of there for emergencies mm. more than you're still a player and we can, we're more likely to use you more frequently. There seems to be this Brazilian connection with with David Luiz and Willian Edu, and it just worries me. Like for example, you're really getting off piece here, but like we saw Willian on the weekend again. Come on, uh, as a serpent, he, he was he was very poor, and it's sort of like 
why do these guys keep getting sort of a free pass? And I don't know, it, it just doesn't add up. To, it just something doesn't feel right to me. Mm. One thing I would definitely say just on that is at least Louise brings something to the table, unlike William, who brings fuck all. No, yeah, definitely. But, I'm, I'm not um, saying that, but I, think I know what you're saying about the Brazilian thing, the click. You know, it's funny because you could rewind 20 years, right? Uh, imagine, we, you know, we're doing this 20 years ago. Would we have been worried about the potential French click that was coming through um, under Wenger? I just think you're going to you always see these. They, they, they weren't 32, 33-year-olds. True. Do you know yeah, I mean? very true. Um, for me, though, I just think... I, I do, I've only just looked at our subs bench from last night. I see we had three centre defenders on the bench last night. And it's funny, I keep always forgetting about Pablo Marie. I just keep forgetting about the lad. Um, injured, hasn't he? Like, he's another one who just loves loves an injury. Do you reckon that's what the thinking department? Because I think Chambers Chambers' days at Arsenal are done. To be honest with you, I think he'll go. Um, and understandably, is that what's coming into the thinking of Arteta and the management? Is we've got four, and I'm including William Saliba in this in the potential for next season because I would, on paper. Everything, everyone's happy. No one's injured. I'd be more than happy to see a rotation of those four centre halves between Holding, Marie, Saliba, and Gabriel, because that's for me. That's basically our centre half pairing somewhere in there for the future. Um, do you think Marie's injuries are maybe you know, pushing that agenda for Louise to extend next year as that kind of extra backup, or like I kind of said to you yesterday, or not yesterday, sorry, the day before. He's getting picked all the time, David Luiz, in these situations. If he's fit, he plays. Um, but he's been pretty solid. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. nine times out of ten, he's solid. But we always know he's got a mistake in him. He has a mad moment and you go, oh, for God's sake, not this again. And it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter how long he's, you know, he, he's done it throughout his career. And he's going to do it again. Give it give it a month. It might be two months. It could be six months. But there'll be there'll be another incident along the way. And we'll mm. go. Here we go. Yeah. Like even after the Wolves, um, well, at half time against Wolves, they they were laughing at him, weren't they? Which yeah. was a, which was completely unfair. I, I, I don't really agree with that at all. Um, no. But at the same time, you know, if, if the face fits, and it certainly does, uh, with David Luiz. Yeah, I think only time will tell on this one, guys, isn't it? Yeah, I think you touched upon a good thing though. You you mentioned you've got four there. Ideally, you want five centre backs. So if our four is Let's, if we call partnerships, uh, Saliba and Gabrielle are two like-minded front-footed. Mm. Uh, Holding and Marie, slightly deeper laying, slightly slower, suits mm. a certain style. There, there are two combinations. And then Louise is the backup that can, right, it's not quite on the same path as Saliba and Gabrielle, but you can slot in with the other two. Mm. Um, when, you, when you think that we, we might need that fifth centre-back as a backup, um, when we were going to have to go into the market and probably get a striker, mm. Uh, mm. we'll have to buy a midfielder, have to buy a creative 10, whether that's Odegaard or somebody else. Mm. Do we want to spend money on a centre-back when we've spent a lot of money on centre-backs recently? Probably not. Maybe another year of Louise as a fifth choice isn't the worst thing, but it is just that, that concern that does he end up actually playing a lot more than he's meant to? Mm. Yeah. Do you think he just on on that about it back? Do you think he's playing too much right now? Because like, this is the thing, Steve. You keep saying it as well, actually. But he is playing well at the minute. I do think he got really. It was hardly done. 
it was a tough one to take that wall sending off, I think. But um, he is plays well. He brings a bit to our game because he can he can play football. He's got my eyes only, for a good my long only ball. issue apart from the errors is he does slow the game down a bit. But then I think against Villa, we missed him a little bit. We looked a bit sloppy at the back without him. So whether you like him or not, you can't it's tell hard, him. It? It's yeah. a hard one. It's sort of like a you know, rock and hard place. Um, I think he, he does get a lot of criticism because of who he is and his catalogue of, of errors. And and, mm. and he looks like Christy the Clown. No, he doesn't look like Christy the Clown. He looks like Sideshow Bob. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, he's, I think he's going to be here next season, so that's that. I think so too. Yeah. At least, at least not Mustafi. I remember we offered Mustafi a new deal. What the hell were the club thinking on that one? That was a ridiculous. Decision. He's gone. <laughs> just, just forget. He's gone. He's gone. Forget. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to think about that. He's gone. Looking ahead to Thursday, we take on Benfica in the Europa League. How are you guys feeling about that? Are you feeling confident, Liam? Uh. Largely from a place of knowing how well we're playing at the moment, we might have had a couple of bad results, Wolves and Villa, but we actually played very well in both games, in my opinion. We played well again today. We've been playing well consistently recently, so that gives me an air of confidence that I know what we can do. It is just quite how good Benfica are, I'm not so sure. Looking at the table, they're fourth um, in the Portuguese league, isn't the best league. Maybe that's a good sign for us. One once in five. Yeah, I, I think we should. I, I would expect to win anyway. But what? I, it's just it's the unknown with Benfica that that would that's my only thing that's on my mind. Cowan. Yeah, I was just going to say it's the unknown with us as well. Sometimes going into these games is every week. Steve, you, you send me a text saying how do I feel, and I just it's so hard to know how I feel going into any game because if this, we is turn like up, four, this is like four in the morning, isn't it? Lower text you. I wake up at. Oh, he wakes up oh, and he Arsenal in the brain. Text you. Like, Arsenal aren't even playing. I'm like, how are you feeling? You're like, it's that, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, 2 a.m. Yeah. yeah. But it's true though, isn't it? Like, it's so hard to judge. Like, I, And I, I agree with Liam. I think, yeah, we have played well. And those results, look, there were moments in those results we didn't play great, but I don't think we played poorly like we did in the run before Christmas. Looking at the form and in the in the league, let's be honest, any of our listeners, all two of them, can say that they sit down and watch the Portuguese Super League. I think that's what I don't even Premier League, Premier. I don't even know what it's called. I have no idea. Um also, as both these games are being um played at neutral venues, where are we first? Is it Athens first? Is it Athens first? Is there a home and away advantage or they scrap? Yeah, then they still have to have Away goals. Still away goals. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? They should just do a one-off knockout. It makes it so much more interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Arteta approaches this week with Man City on the weekend. Um, I think we're going to this game. You know, we didn't use Martinelli and Pepe against Leeds, so we've got some fresh legs there. But it's it's about it's about getting that balance right, isn't it? Like, mm. you know, like we saw in the FA Cup against Southampton when he, he made mm. too many changes, it really you know, unbalanced the team and, and it just didn't really work. So let's be honest, I, I don't think we'll beat Man City. They are in incredible form. And if someone said to me right now, take a win on Thursday and, and a defeat in the league, I'd take it. I just hope we, I think we did, you know, we, with the rotation we did and resting Pepe and with those things in mind. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate to say I don't want to curse the, I just don't want to curse the game I don't want to go in I'm one of these kind of people just in case you want to know 
I like to expect the worst so that anything that happens thereafter is great. Whereas if you sometimes go into these games with great expectations, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, especially as an Arsenal fan. Um, but yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go. Let's go for a slim one goal win. I'm going to go for. But what I'm saying is, goal. would you, if you're a tear, do you go all out on Thursday with the danger of knackering players out for Sunday? Or do you try and get it? Or do you change it up? I wouldn't. I, I, w- I would change it up a little bit. I'd bring Lacazette, bring Pepe, bring Martinelli, bring Elneny probably back in. Holding will come back. You know, they're, they're not bad players. That's not. I'm not saying bring Willian back. Elneny's one out of six, that, or five or six, I've just named that are, ooh, do we? Um, that's mm. And that's still quite a big bit of rotation. And mm. then if you've rotated plenty enough and it's a bit too close for comfort, mm. throw City and go out in the second leg when we've got the away goals next. I wouldn't want to risk getting knocked out of Europe because we're putting all our, all our eggs in one basket for the City game. That's what I'm trying to say. That's how where I, that's where I stand anyway. Where do you think our eggs are just on that, guys? Obviously, Stevie's saying putting all our eggs in Europa League basket. What? It's so hard to kind of know where you should put the eggs. Right? Remember, we are tenth, though, right? So that's what I mean. I'm looking at the league table, and look, football, anything can happen. We could, could, beat Man City. Look, it's a long shot. But is our most realistic path back to the Champions League trying to win the Europa League? I don't know. I really don't know. I thought this last. I throw everything at the Europa League. I think we've got. I think it's like the FA Cup. Yeah, no one really. Expected us to win that. Everyone um, sort of overlooked us, and I think I think it's it's on. We're going to do it. It's on. It's Putting on. It out there, and <laughs> we're going all the way. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's so sorry. The thing just... is, the Europa League. Sorry. Go... No, you go there. As I say, the Europa League is a harder competition now than it was three years ago. So it's hard mm. to throw all your eggs yeah. in one basket when because we're going to when we get to later stages I can't remember the teams from the top of my head but there are some good teams I think Dortmund dropped down into it possibly or, there are good teams in this competition now it's not three years ago um, mm. and when I look at the league table is yes points wise are we not that far away and it's doable but there's a mm. lot of teams we've got to get past it's so congested and if it was a top if it was the traditional top four beaten up on the rest of the league, I'd say, okay, we can catch up here. But when mm. there's Tottenham ahead of us, Aston Villa, Everton are decent, Liverpool and West Ham, that you've all got to climb past, and Chelsea and Leicester, that's a lot yeah. of good teams that you've got to pass and they've got to slip up and, of course, they're going to play each other still and all that business. I think it's too big a risk to try out, to put most of our eggs in the Premier League. So I think a lot of them will go to the Europa, but... No, I agree. I, yeah, it's I think, a balance act. I think had we have beaten Villa and Wolves, then it's a different conversation. Um, we'd be right in the mix, but mm. it's it's difficult. It's so difficult. We've got we've probably played twenty four. We've got fourteen games left to go. It's mad. It is mad though, isn't it, Steve? When you look at that table and you think if we would have won those two games you just mentioned, we'd be sat level with Liverpool. <laughs> What a crazy season. No. And it, we've got, yeah, you, you look at our fixtures, we've got Man City, then we've got Leicester. So the frustrating thing, you know what happened? Arsenal win both of those. And <laughs> we'll be like, for God's sake, Arsenal, teasing us. 
Yeah, but no, I, I agree with Liam as well. I think you, you look at it, obviously, when we got to the semis and got knocked out by Real, not Real Madrid, sorry, Atletico Madrid, you know, you do get some great quality dropping down into the Europa League. Um, we are the quality. What are you on about? <laughs> I'll just shoot in Steve a look there for sure. Look, anything's possible in cup football. Sorry for being optimistic. I'm not that guy off AFTV with all the merchandise. Definitely not. So, listener, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 16th of February. And on my Facebook memories today came up uh, quite a memorable game of football. Uh, back in 2011, Arsenal played Barcelona in the Champions League. Was it quarterfinal? Was it knockout? I think it was the quarterfinals. I'm not actually sure, which is terrible. No, it might have been round of 16 because we're in the round of 16 now. Oh, yeah, good we? point. Look Matt. at that. Liam bring, Liam's bringing the knowledge to the pod here, guys, by the way. Look at that. No <laughs> messing. He Absolutely. Knows. Thank God for Liam. That's all I can oh, say. No. So with that in mind, say. thank you. Um, we're going to start running a new, a new segment in the podcast uh, on that day. So on that day in 2011, we, we played Barcelona. Can you guys remember the score? Right. The score was the easy question. 2 1. Who scored the goals? Robin Van Persie, Andre Arshavin. Who scored for Barcelona? Steve. David Villa. There you go. I mean, I've got it on my phone here because I'm going to play a game of guess the lineup. So. Can we ask, can, I, can we have one, one small clue just to help us? And that is yeah, what's the formation that day. Because that, I just, I, I haven't got a clue. BBC Sport doesn't give a formation, just gives the lineup. Bastards. I mean, it's, is it? I'm just looking at it now. My mm. guess would be a 4 3 3 or a 4 2 3 1. Yeah. Something like that. All like that. With the that three. in mind, let's, yeah, let's, let's start mm. it. So, both of you give me your keepers. Almunia. Chesney. 1 0 oh, to Liam. Boom. Shit. <laughs> so, uh, centre halves. My favourite keeper. Centros, one of them, I think, was Philip Centros. Okay. And the second one? Go on, I'll I go didn't... my two then. I'll go my two, give go you on. a clue. It, it, well, this might not be a clue, it might be wrong. Uh, Kashelny and Vermarlin? Oh, I'm. G- yeah, of course, Centros wasn't even there anymore. What am I doing? I'm just going to pop, I'm just going to see myself out of this conversation a minute. Do you want to um, go? Do you want to just fuck off? Kashelny. <laughs> Koscielny, yeah, definitely in there. That's I can't think of any other fucking defenders. What is right. going on? Okay. I couldn't either. I went with Vermarlin. That was my best guess. So at fullback, we had Koscielny and uh, Jorou. I was going to say Jorou. What the fucker? So how on earth did we beat Barcelona? Calvin, you got zero <laughs> there, right? No, and I got one. I got one. Yeah, I got Koscielny. Liam, did you get Koscielny? Come on. Yeah, I went Koscielny for Marlon. And when I said Koscielny, yeah. All right, 2-1, Liam. All right, full-backs. I'll give you a clue, Calvin. There's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sanya and Gibbs. Oh, that's a good shout, Gibbs. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sanya and... Shit the bed. You knew we were doing this. You, you didn't really prepare well, did you, mate? You told me not to prepare. That's the whole point of this no, game. I told you I not can't... to Google it and look <laughs> exactly. on Exactly, that's preparing, isn't it? I can't remember players. Jesus, this is a long time ago. I'm going to go Gibbs as well because I can't think of any other right. left-backs. Uh, full-backs, it was a Bue and Clichy. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Gail Clichy in his youth. 
Didn't realise you. I thought he'd have left by then. It is mad, isn't it? Um, yeah. Gibbs was on the bench, and Amuni was on the bench, and Squalacci was on the bench for the defenders. I was going to say you might have started Squalacci. To be honest, I don't know why. No. Wow. Where was Sagna? Sagna must have been injured. Maybe he was injured. Yeah. He was at Arsenal. Was... He, he hadn't gone to City, had he? By then. No. no we were on the FA Cup for close. Those. Yeah. Way later. Okay. Midfield. Um, go through your still. I'm going to start with you, Liam. We'll give Calvin about half an hour. No, because he's, let's be honest, you should make me go first because Liam's answers are helping me out, let's be honest. I, I, I am going to go. In advance, what my guess I'm going to go. Wait for it. Jack Wilshire. Oh. Easy. And Cesc Fabregas. Yeah. Yes. There's one more midfielder who plays like that sort of central role as well in the team. So go for like a 4 3 3, I reckon, with this. Oh, uh, Alex Song. That was my guess too. Wilshire Song and Fabregas. There we go. Boom. Did I get? No way. Yeah. Uh, it was I, pulled it, I pulled it up from my phone, Wilshire Steve. Wilshire Song, this. Fabregas. A front three? I've, I've got, yeah, this is easy for me. Arshavin, Nazri, Van Persie. Van Persie. Yeah, that's my three too. It is Van Persie, Nazri and Walcott. What? Oh, Shavin came, came from the bench. The bench. Did he? Oh, I didn't think of that. For extra points. That's a For extra points. Bonus. Uh, who came on as sub? Obviously, we, we know one. Shavin. Yeah, who did um, come on for? Oh, well, uh, Walcott probably he didn't finish, did he? Walcott. No, he, came, he came on for song. Well, I didn't want to uh, give Walcott, a venture of an Walcott, answer, Walcott. did I, Steve? Christ. <laughs> I thought you'd be out... out doing your shopping at Tesco or something, I thought you'd be long gone, to be honest, mate. <laughs> so I, I feel I, after that, how poorly I did in that, honestly, <laughs> I may as well be in Tesco. There was there was one of a substitute who came for Walcott. Was he any good? No. Oh, I know who it is. It's not the, the man with the, wor- the worst hairdo in all of football, Maran Shamak. Maran Shamak. No. Oh shit! Oh, Nicholas Bentner, the big Nicholas Bentner, yeah. So how could I forget? Just, just to, just to go summarise. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Chesney goal, a back four of Kashawn and Giroud, Clichy Bue, Fabregas, Nasri, Walcott, Song, Wilshire, Van Persie, and uh, Bentner and Arshavin came on. And then on the bench we had Almunis, Gualachi, Gibbs, Riziki, Danielson, Arshavin, and Bentner. Boom! How did we win that? Because they had, they were really. This wasn't Barcelona now that just got tramped 7 2. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, they had Valdez and Gold, Daniel, PK, Maxwell, Abidal, Javin, Iniesta, Busquets, Leah, Messi, uh, Pedrito. Pedrito? I don't know who fucking he is. Pedro. Pedro. It's, well, it says Pedrito on here. Oh, bloody Google, Steve, isn't it? Mugging you off. says Pedrito. It's probably his legit name. Um, but it's mad, isn't it, when you think of what then unfolded a week later? Yeah, we got knocked out at the new Camp. I think it was 3-1. It was the infamous game where Robin Van Persie got sent off for taking a shot. Ah, yeah. I was thinking it was Messi's four-goal haul. It was was an own goal, wasn't it, from Busquets? Um, That was was an awful night. Me and Calvin were actually at both games, weren't we? I wasn't at the home game. I was was at both. I was in the clock and lower. Were you there, Liam? No, I was still at school. (laughs) Sorry. That's right. Sorry to make you feel old, but I was still at secondary school. That's fine, mate. You just, you know, crack Jesus, off. how old are you, Liam? 
I don't want to get into this because every time I, every time I do, you're 23. <laughs> yeah. I knew I shouldn't have asked. 24 in a couple of, in a, about a month, if that helps. In a month. Do we get to do a birthday podcast with you? Wonderful. That I think we're actually, we've got a game, haven't we? Or if we get through, we've got a game. Europa League, falls on the Europa League night. What day is your birthday, Liam? For all of our listeners, so you can... The 18th, 18th of March. Um, my birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and do you know what? I knew you were going to say that date. March the 18th, did you just say? Yeah. Wonderful. It's my mother's birthday. Great day of the year. Also happens to fall around Mothering Sunday. Yeah, so, so it's uh, the day my... after, usually. Or... Yeah, in and around the weekend after. It's even worse when they land on the same day. That's happened. Oh, yeah. I had a football match and my birthday and Mother's Day all on the same Sunday, that, all on the same Sunday and got completely forgotten about. <laughs> that's that's not very nice. But yeah, you'll be 24. Um, yeah, that makes me feel very, very 24, old. 24, out the door, spending your birthday in lockdown. The second Ooh. birthday in lockdown. That is depressing. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> nah, it's fine. I, d- I don't mind. I like social... The social isolation. I'm autistic for anyone who doesn't know. Um, so I, I very much enjoy my own company. Um, it'd be my ideal birthday just spending me and my missus. So I mean, sorted. I love my own I love my own company too, but fuck me. I've had far too much of it for the last year. And to Starting be fair, to... you're quite boring as well. So exactly. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm boring. He just spends his day like ironing his arsenal shirts. You don't iron football shirts, Steve. Come on. Kind of low heat with it with a tea towel. I never forget there was one game I flew over for. I remember it was the centenary year where we had the 125 year football shirt. Um I flew over, I think it was to go and watch the Man City game where Arteta scored actually. And obviously, when you're flying over for these games, you're getting up for a red eye flight because you've booked it months in advance because you don't know when the fucking kickoff is because of Sky Sport wankers. And um, in an absolute, I think I'd been out on the piss the night before as well. Woke up in the morning after a couple of hours sleep and a bit of a bit of a heap, let's say. And I I went to iron my Arsenal shirt at four o'clock in the morning. And do you know what happened? I burnt a fucking hole in it. So yeah, you live and learn, as they say. And um, I've never done it. Same mistake. Thanks, mate. I'm going to sleep easy tonight knowing knowing that. Exactly. But look, you will have a know, then go and find out for yourself because that's painful, especially at four o'clock in the morning with a hangover. So I think, should we should we wrap it up there then, lads? We've uh, covered everything I think we want. Steve, are you happy with your segment, your new segment of the show? I think we should do like ironing with Calvin as well. Reckon. Ironing normal clothes is like fine. Each week you, you can provide like a, a football shirt tip. This week's tip, put it on a cold wash. Inside out, in a pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, look, I just want to, as always, we also want to thank our listeners for joining uh, us on the latest podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show as always. If you're still with us, thank you very much. Um, if you want to follow any of us on, on social media, you can find us on Twitter. You've got Steve, who's at In The Clock End. Myself, Kelvin, who is at underscore the arse underscore. And we've also got Liam, who is at Gronin Guna. And you can follow us for any of our updates of when the next pod will be. Uh, we'll be back after our next game. Um, whenever that is, we'll decide and let you know, because we never know. Uh, but until then, all the best. Cheers, mate. Thanks, guys.